I'm Rai Walker, uh, founder of Tembo, a managed Postgres company. And today I have Barack from uh, Ubica- UbiCloud. How do you say Ubi? Yeah. Ubi? <laughs> UbiCloud, yeah. Ubi, okay. Ubi, yeah, yeah like Ubisoft. Uh, yeah, but kind cloud. of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Rock. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, having me here. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd love to start. Uh, you know, with giving us a quick background, like uh, I'm curious, like where did you grow up and what were you doing before Postgres? Uh, sure. So, well, well, hello everyone. Uh, <laughs> this is Burak, and uh, I work as a software developer. And I guess in reverse chronological order, I worked at Microsoft, Citus Data, and SAP on distributed databases in all three. And uh, currently, I worked at a startup called UbiCloud. We are uh, basically building a new cloud provider. And the primary thing we do differently than other providers is that, uh, well, all the code is open. Like, uh, you can think it as a like open alternative to uh, existing cloud providers. You can go to GitHub, check out the code, uh, set it up on a bare metal server, and then you can have your own cloud. Or you can use our managed offering, of course. So yeah, like this is brief history of uh, me working professionally. Yeah, nice. So you're open sourcing, essentially open open sourcing what AWS and GCP and uh, yeah Azure have yeah. done. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm seeing it like like what Linux is to property operating system. It is what we are doing for the cloud providers. Yeah, and you only have to build 300 different services on top of it, right? But <laughs> luckily, a lot of those are open source, <laughs> too. <laughs> kind of. Well, I guess our current uh, plan is not building all 200, 300 services because, like, most of the time, like, people use only 10, at most 20. Like, if you implement 20 of them, like, I guess you uh, have... 80% of the use cases. So I guess this is our initial plan, but yeah, I, I mean, we, we, never, we never know what would uh, feature show. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'm excited to uh, to watch it evolve and hopefully partner with you guys at some point. So uh, Yeah, that, that <laughs> would be awesome. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember when you first started using Postgres? Yeah, I do. Well, uh, to be honest, I when I start programming, I started as a web developer, and at that time, LAMP stack was very, very yeah. common. So my first database was MySQL. But yeah. then I started working at Citus Data, and which is the place that I started uh, working development part of the Postgres. So yeah. basically, for people who don't know Citus Data, uh, the Citus Data was the company behind many popular extensions such as Citus or PG Cron or PostgreSQL uh, HLL. And uh, so when I first joined Citus Data, I initially worked on building Citus extension. And while doing that, uh, you need to uh, you need to dig to the Postgres code to. First, you need to understand, and then you build your extension on top of it. And then we built our own managed service. So I switched to that team to build a Postgres managed service. 
and uh, and some of our customers were well, they were heavily using PostgreSQL HLL extension. And uh, at that time, the original authors of the PostgreSQL extension they went through an acquisition process and they didn't have enough time at their hand to maintain the extension. And well, we know the people, and at that time, PostgreSQL community was much smaller. So we just uh, called them and said that, hey, like we want to maintain this extension. Uh, what do you think about? And they, they were pretty happy to find a new maintainer. So uh, long story short, I found myself as a maintainer of the PostgreSQL extension. And then mm-hmm. the site got data got acquired by Microsoft. And then, uh, well, I continued my Postgres journey on Microsoft. Like we, we also build a managed service there. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's how I start with Postgres development. Nice. Well, not yeah. just start, like until the almost whole whole journey. Yeah. And are you, you are you taking a, a little bit of a break from it right now, uh, or are you are you working on Postgres stuff over at uh, UbiCloud? Uh yeah. Well, first of all, we use Postgres in UbiCloud as well. So like and. Yeah. Like most of my professional community, like the friends, and they are from Postgres community. Yeah. So I, th- there's no way I can leave that community at all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but as a cloud provider, UbiCloud also needs to offer a Postgres service. So we yeah. we are planning something. Like uh, it's not very well defined yet but i i think yeah. uh, eventually we will have something for postgres as well out of curiosity are you guys uh, i'm sure this was a hotly debated topic but kubernetes or no kubernetes inside of uh movie cloud <laughs> well uh in our case uh, right now no kubernetes we have a yeah. pretty simple control plane uh yeah. Which, if you want, I think you can move it to Kubernetes, but right now we we don't use it. Uh, not yeah. that, not that we have anything against Kubernetes. It's just, right. I guess, right now we don't need that uh, complexity. I believe. Yeah. Well, I imagine you'll have managed Kubernetes. You'd have to have that. That'll be one of your first twenty, most likely. So yeah, yeah, yeah d- d- definitely because well, managed Kubernetes is quite one of the most demanded product so it, it needs to be one of the first 20. yeah yeah great well um so so again you were working on citus uh, the citus citus was was it when you started working on it was it an extension or was it a i, I don't know the full history was it a fork at any point and then became it, extension yeah, or yeah at the beginning it, it was a fork and just before I joined the team, it became an extension. So basically, decided to become an extension and become an open source at the same time. And I think I joined Citus team in uh, like one month after that. Got it. So you never were part of that previous era. Um, what what uh? So were a lot of the hard problems already solved? Um, would you say with Citus? Like usually, I was just just did a talk with the post just team, you know, and they said early on is where they solved the most of the problems and, and, and they, you know, it was, it was more, uh, more gradual after that. Is that, is that the case with, um, 
um, with Citus too, or was there a big a big project that happened after you joined? Well, I I think most of the difficult problems were already solved, yeah. and to be honest, I I think one of the problems with the expansion development is that there isn't good documentation about it. Like for Postgres has pretty good documentation for user facing features, yeah. but if you want to like as a developer, there isn't that much resources, so you usually need to uh, read lots of Postgres code. And to be honest, I think Postgres code is pretty readable for a project at its size and that like that big and that old. So like I, I think that's that's a huge plus. But still you need to read spells of code to understand what you need to do. And in our case, thankfully, uh Citus hired one of the most prominent contributors of Postgres Andres front. And uh, he primarily uh, lead the effort to make Cytus uh, an extension. And I yeah. think at that time, I believe Postgres extension framework also didn't have some of the features we need. So we had to do some hacky workarounds. But uh, eventually Postgres extension framework also got improved and we we had chance to remove those hacky workarounds. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it sounds like that's happening now with lots of, you know, a lot of the innovation in Postgres happens as a fork, you know, with, with the hope yeah. that in a version or two uh, it can become an extension and then maybe a couple of versions after that it becomes a less hacky extension, right? <laughs> like uh, you can streamline it <laughs> down. yeah. But it's a four-year journey or so. Yeah. <laughs> tell tell me about uh, PostgreSQL uh, HLL. Tell me what that what's HLL stand for. Yeah. Well, HLL stands for uh, Hyperloglog, and it is an extension to make a cardinality estimation, which is a fancy way of saying uh, doing count this thing, but approximately. And uh, uh, well, if well, let me first explain why approximately. The reason is count, doing count this thing as an accurate number is pretty difficult. Well, not difficult, but maybe unfeasible. Uh, if your data size is small, that's okay. But if you have lots of data, the usual way is keeping a hash map. So every time you, or hash set, every time you see an item, you put it to hash set and at the end you count number of items in it. But if you have lots of data, that becomes unfeasible. If you have a distributed system, like if you are doing count this thing in two different nodes, that becomes even more difficult because let's say you you bite the bullet, you bite the bullet and uh, calculate the count this thing in one node and the other node, like it's not possible to merge the results because there might be common elements. You cannot just sum, sum them up. So what uh, hyperloglog does is uh, it uses an approximation algorithm, I can go into detail of it as well, to have an internal representation of the uh, number of unique elements, which is both memory efficient compared to like doing a hash map, which is also easy to merge. If, so it allows you to do like a parallel computing 
And the only gotcha is it is not an exact number, it's an approximation. But it turns out that we don't need exact number most of the time. Like for example, especially in analytical use cases, let's say you want to uh, count the number of unique users that visit your website. It doesn't matter if they are 4 million or 4.1 million, like you, you want a ballpark number. And also the good thing is the error rate of hyperlog log is quite small. Like uh, it is usually around 2% and you can make it even smaller if you want, if you give it a, a bit more memory, like you can make it more accurate. So uh, yeah, that and uh, well, this hyperlog log algorithm is just out there. And what PostgreSQL hyperlog log does is it implements this algorithm for PostgreSQL. Yeah. So, how what how much of a resource reduction would you estimate that you know, using that approximation? So you lose a percentage or two of accuracy, but you get how much less compute required? Uh, well, you usually it. it about 1.5 kilobytes for the uh, hyperlog of data structure. On default, it takes about 1.5 kilobytes of yeah. memory. So, uh, so very, like, like yeah, very, very small, orders of yeah. magnitude smaller. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. log log parts come from that. So, like, if you are dealing with 32 bit integers, it can go up to 2 to the 32. You get the log of that, it is 32. You get another log that you get five. So you need five bits of the memory to be able to store one uh, bucket. And then what hyperlog does, it keeps multiple buckets to increase the accuracy. So at the end, it uh, ends up about like 1.5 kilobyte. Got it. What's a, so how involved were you in, in that um, extension? Did you start it or did you inherit it? I, I inherited it. Uh, so uh, actually, the uh, Ender startup called Aggregate Knowledge uh, built that extension. Then I think they got a card by uh, Newstar. And at that time, uh, the project was not maintained frequently. So there were some boxes we need to be merged in. And like our customers were also using it. So uh, we got con uh, we contacted the original authors and said that hey we want to maintain this and they were uh, happy to uh, hand over the you know maintainership to us and then after that we uh, we did bug fixes we did regular releases I presented few conference talks about hyperloglog in PGConf EU and PGConf US uh, yeah. Uh, that's the old story. So, so I'm curious, ha have you been able to disconnect from, I imagine it's easier to disconnect from Citus as a, as an extension, you know, after leaving Microsoft, but, uh, like disconnecting from, from this extension, uh, post SQL HLL, like, are you still kind of watching that? Cause, because you're, you know, you have that knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a, a little bit of emotional bond to that extension. And, yeah. well, for example, there, there were a few improvements that I wanted to do, but I didn't have time at the, while working yeah. at Microsoft. And it just, you know, 
itches me from time to time and like I I get and it is open source so I guess at yeah. some point in near future I'll open a pull request uh, and hopefully it's uh, it would get merged I hope yeah got it. but Microsoft team controls that extension as it sits today yeah yeah right right, right now Microsoft team controls the like the, they they got continue it. to do regular releases. And every time new PostgreSQL version comes up, they ensure that it works well and they update the packages, release new packages. If there's a bug report, they are the one who uh, fixes it. How many extensions? I mean, obviously there's the Citus extension in this one. How many total extensions would you say like Microsoft has in Postgres? Um, I know maybe it's hard to nail down a number, but uh, is, it, is there a yeah. bunch of others too? There, there are. Where, well, there's Citus, there's PostgreSQL HLL. There is yep. PG Cron, which is also quite popular. Yep. It is a Chrome based job scheduler. Yeah, just uh, I just started using that. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It is developed by primarily developed by Marco Slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, there is uh, one extension to make to ensure that Postgres works. Postgres is well integrated with Azure, so there's like an extension called uh, PG Azure. Uh, I think it's not open source, but like if you uh, start a Postgres instance from Azure and check the extensions, there's that extension. Yeah. There is uh, oh, there's Topan, uh, so which which is also approximation based uh, extension. It gives you top and element of a sorted list. And like, if you think about it, it is also expensive operation to do on big data set because you need to sort them first and take the top N. And I think there are more optimized algorithms that where you can keep a a heap, uh, which is more memory efficient, but you still need to go over lots of data. And uh, so at that time, at Citus, we also developed this uh, top end extension. Uh, nice. Actually, if you look at it, uh, the general team is about uh, being able to do things at scale because yeah. Postgres is already pretty good at doing things in a single node. And like the site's primary use case was make a distributed PostgreSQL. And we developed a few extensions to, you know, make some operations that are not feasible to do at scale and find a ways to make them more feasible. So I'm curious, uh, are, are there some big milestones in Postgres that you're looking forward to? Um, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I was looking forward for Postgres 16 release, uh, mostly because of the logical replication uh, improvement. There are few. And I, I think there will be more upcoming uh, because I, I, I think logical replication is a very powerful concept, but uh, it's still a bit uh, cumbersome to use it with PostgreSQL, uh, especially when there's a change in the data, like if when you run a DDL command or when you have a failover. So there are few gotchas. And I think with the Postgres 16, some of these are less problematic and maybe I hope in the upcoming versions it would be even easier to use. Uh, 
call with logical well when you have a very solid logical replication it opens up lots of cool features well one thing that i personally uh, invested in is being able to do uh like zero downtime failovers uh, and when I say zero time downtime, I mean like the real zero downtime, not, not just like one second downtime, but real zero downtime. And I think logical replication, that solid logical replication would open up uh, that. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's like, it's one thing to do that too with a, with a single node, you know, versus a, a Citus cluster too, right? Zero time th- downtime. Yeah, yeah, is a gets complicated. The more complicated your 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 deployment is, but I agree on a single deployment. Um, yeah, yeah, I I have this idea where we could uh you know basically build scaffolding around the existing thing, whatever it takes. You know, like get another one working. You know, in yeah. other words, temporarily have replication happening, and then somehow seamlessly up above, you have to have some some fulcrum that you can you know. Uh, so it's 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 a complicated thing uh, to to figure out, but um, I think it'd be a great for a managed service provider to to basically build up temporary infrastructure that that helps the zero downtime uh, thing happen. When that if that's true, then you can then you can restart. You know, with you know, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, you know, with impunity, like auto scaling is 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 possible, stuff like that. So yeah. It- and one reason I especially interested in was that in our previous mentors, we do lots of operations via failover. Like, for example, if you want to scale up, what we would do is we create another server with the, like with higher number of uh, cores, and then we would do failover. Or if you want to, like, for example, we might need to do maintenance. Like, maybe there are, we found a security vulnerability or there is a, like the regular maintenance. What we would do is, instead of going and patching the existing server, we would create a new one, and then we do a failover to that one. And each of those failovers, it takes some amount of downtime, which is not obviously not preferable and not a good experience for customers. So, uh, but if they were like the virtually free from the perspective of customers, like if they don't even notice that there's a failover then you can do as many failovers as you want. It's definitely, uh, you, you share the same vision as, as I do there. I think it's a, it would be exciting to get there. So I'm curious though, if like there was one thing that you could, um, you know, if you had a magic wand and this weekend, something new would be in Postgres core, like what would it be? What would you use that wand on? <laughs> yeah, that that's difficult. I, well, I want lots of things, like picking one is, difficult but i guess one thing that bothers me is that for high availability and backups you always need to depend the third party tool i would really love to that to be sold in postgres like for example for redis uh it comes with a very good default settings that you can use to for high availability but for postgres like there are solutions there are good solutions but i would love them to be in the uh core yeah i get that for sure it's uh 
it's it's tricky when you have to buy a product or let's say you adopt a product and you immediately have to adopt X additional products right off the bat. And uh, that's that's not a good feeling. It's, it feels complex, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Do you have any, um, I would say, do you have any uh, opinions about Postgres that almost nobody agrees with you about? Are, are you a contrarian in any area that you can think of? <laughs> uh let me see I, I i i don't think so well uh maybe that's one of the areas that po that you think backup should be inside <laughs> i mean yeah the, the, there is that but I, I i know there are people who also share that opinion yeah uh i'm yeah i'm, I'm not sure it's okay uh, yeah, I was just curious. Like, uh, it's always fun to talk about those things if they exist. Um, give you give you a well, um, uh, there is a soapbox. <laughs> oh, actually, there is one thing, but that that's also okay. even I think Tembo kind of agrees with me on that one. Is that yeah? I think many different use cases can be implemented in Postgres. So instead yep. of having a lot of specialized databases, you can have Postgres and with some configuration and maybe a few extensions, you can implement, like you can implement Kafka in Postgres. You can implement yeah. Redis. You can implement like the NoSQL in Postgres. Uh, I guess this, if I said this maybe two, three years ago, probably I would get more uh, raised eyebrows. But now I think, yeah, uh, more more people start think to think like that, and I I think Tembo is also uh, thinking along thinking things along similar lines, right? Yeah, I think there's openness to it. <clears throat> One of the you know I talked to you know the, uh, a lot of people, and and the question is, you know how pe people are like you know Postgres for everything, or you know like. Um, uh, Question is like what percentage of developers are actually on that that bandwagon? You know, it, it obviously on Twitter it just takes one person, and it's a big community too. You know, to to make us make a, especially if it's a contrarian view. But I'm kind of curious. One of the things I want to find out uh, over the next you know few months is what percentage of developers would actually, if it if if this Postgres for everything was was real, would they actually use it? You know, versus still saying ah. And I think it all comes down to quality, you know, like I think, yeah, you can do Kafka-like work on Postgres right now, but it doesn't feel as clean as, as buying Confluent, you know, uh, that that seems like a very safe decision and 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 doing something like Kafka on Postgres seems like a, um, like you're just kind of stringing together a Rube Goldberg machine, you know, and it doesn't feel <laughs> like a solid, but the question is if those solutions were solid you know would people use them and that's that's our uh yeah. <laughs> that's our big thesis is that if yeah. they were solid people would use them um but i just don't know what percentage of people would do that you know yeah, is it, is it a big percentage or a small percentage so uh, yeah i i'm not sure but there is one interesting thing that that come into my mind is well today postgres support json b type but it was not like that all the time. So in the earlier days, if you want to store JSON data, there we had an extension called HStore, which we still have, but not as commonly used as before. 
And what HStore does is, and this this is one of the very powerful parts of PostgreSQL uh, extension framework. Uh, HStore defined the data type, and on top of it, they defined how you can hash this data type and how you can compare this data type. And when you do this in Postgres, Postgres allows you to create index on that data type. So suddenly, you are not only able to store JSON data, but you can index it. And at that time, this is kind of rare things, even for NoSQL database. So I I, I think it is, it's a bit funny, and also it shows the power of PostgreSQL extension framework is that suddenly you are able to do what NoSQL database does, but better. I mean, not in all perspectives, like connection scaling was still a problem, but I mean, being able to index uh, NoSQL data, being able to index JSON, it was a rare feature, even for NoSQL databases, but you, you had it in Postgres. So that's, I, I don't know, maybe some of these other databases or other use cases, Postgres might have something unexpected that would yeah, make it better. Yeah, an, an unexpected the, advantage. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's the same way with like PG Vector right now. Like the great thing yeah. about um, doing vector, you know, embeddings inside of Postgres is that you don't have to move the data out of Postgres as part of the process, right? You know, you can yeah. just add a column and and uh, and keep it where it is, whereas anybody else has, you know, if it's an external, if it's a vector database that's specific for that use case, like you have to have data pipelines and all that kind of machinery, which that's to me one of the big benefits of keeping it all in Postgres is, is less data movement and less data movement can mean you know, much like no data delays and all that kind of stuff uh, go away. Um, so yeah, I agree yeah. with you. There's a lot of unexpected benefits for keeping things together. Yeah. I guess uh, since like since Postgres provides pretty strong asset guarantees, uh, it allows you to build things on top of that. And when you have asset, then you can be much more free uh, to develop complex features. Because what I realized is like while developing software, most of the time as a developer, I try to ensure that, hey, like the, what I'm doing is atomic or what I'm doing does not, you know, it's isolated. So it's not cause any problems if something is coming and not in the expected order. But it, you have chance to delegate all this to Postgres. I think that that gives you a, a quite bit of advantage. Well, one of the things I love too is that because the Postgres core team is sep quite separated from the commercial products, is that like it, I just think it seems like a very stable um, chassis, you know, to build these things on top of, and uh, you really can't. You know, if it's a if it's more of a captive um, open source project, you know, say like what Kafka is to Confluent, like they can move Kafka quickly if they need to for a commercial, you know, to help their commercial product. But that could introduce more st more instability. Uh, I I just don't see this Postgres team doing anything very risky, which to me is a great 
counterbalance to you know people uh, you know developers trying to move fast and build crazy cool new things um it's just nice to have that as a stability factor i think uh inside the product i I think so yeah well i i guess uh historically i i think the postgres community kind of divided into camps and like some of them would want to implement new shiny thing and some of them would try to hey like just let's get stabilized and i believe this jason b support comes from the part who wants to innovate and try new things and at the beginning i i think they they got some hesitation from the other camp but at the end i i guess what they do proved itself to be very valuable and then now jsmb support is one of the most most widely used features of postgres yeah so i I guess there is some 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 sort of balance to try risky things and also try being stabilized you look at like the number of you know the change log for postgres 16 they did a lot of things you know it's a you know almost more than anyone can keep in their head (laughs) uh and (laughs) it's that's what i'm saying like you know the good stuff gets through. It's just the bar is high, and and then there's just it, it, with a lot of assurances that we didn't that they didn't break any part of Postgres in the process. I I really appreciate that that part of this thing, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be building a product on top of it. You know, so yeah. Well, yeah. Well, at the same time, it is sometimes a bit frustrating because. Yeah. Sometimes you have a feature, you want it to be merged in. Like you might be author or you might be just someone watching from the side and desperately need that feature. And then you see that like there is a huge discussion going on and like people cannot convince each other and it falls to the next cycle, which is like one year later. So that that's a bit frustrating, but I guess, yeah, it is kind of cost of having a quite stable uh, yeah. system. It's the cost, and I like I said, I think I think well. Obviously, I haven't been I haven't been here, you know, for the twenty six years watching the mailing lists, and and uh, maybe um, I'm I'm jumping in here relatively late in the cycle, and I just appreciate all the efforts and all the debates and all the fights and uh, that that have happened there because I think it's created such a great you know core engine. All right, well, so where can uh, listeners find you online? Uh, I imagine you're on. X, uh... yeah, yeah, they they can find me at X at LinkedIn, uh, yeah, I, I guess those two would be the places they could find me. But mostly at X, my uh, alias is at B U J Floyd. So basically, my first letter of my name and my last yeah. name. Great. Well, we're excited to see. Uh, you know. Um, the outcome of your, you know, as you guys are, are shipping Ubis, UbiCloud. Um, excited to see that. And um, yeah, appreciate you joining us today. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks a lot for having me here. Uh, it was a great talk. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and I'll, I'm definitely looking for the, the other episodes to release so that I can uh, listen. Okay.